When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You have a very large cat. Yes. She has a thyroid condition. Does she have a name? Grudge. Because? She's heavy. And all mine. Welcome, book lovers and Star Trek fans, to another edition of the Positively Trek Book Club. I'm Dan Gunther, and with me, as he is always, Bruce Gibson, ready to talk about Star Trek comics this week. Bruce, how's it going? It's going well. I do enjoy reading some good Star Trek comics, and I love the fact that when we do these on the book club, it's not just one comic, it's usually multiple comics. Yeah, exactly. We kind of like to hold these in reserve a little bit until we've built up a little bit of a a backlog or maybe a series is done or something like that. And that's what we've done in this case. So this week we are going to be talking about the four issue series, Star Trek Discovery Adventures in the 32nd Century. So these issues came out monthly over the last few months and each one features a different character. Uh, we've got one featuring Grudge, that's Cleveland Booker's cat, or Grudge might think of that relationship differently. We'll get to that. Uh, we've also got Adira, Kayla Detmer, and Linus the Saurian. So I hadn't read these yet. I'd been saving them until we did this episode. Bruce, have you been reading them as they came out? Why, yes, I have. <laughs> and so I reread them again before we recorded the show. Yeah, so this is my first time reading them. Uh, Your second time, presumably, for each of these. So, uh, yeah, excited to get your thoughts on these. So let's just uh, jump right into it, shall we, with uh, issue number one, all about Grudge the Cat. And just a reminder here to everyone listening, we are going to be going through these comics There will be spoilers, so if you care about such things, maybe give it a pause and read these if you haven't yet. And it's very important to point out that Grudge demanded to have issue number one because she is the queen. Yes, this was a part of the contract, as far as I know, that it was a demand on Grudge's part. And you can't not give in to her demands because, as you say, she's a queen. And that's kind of how we start out with this. This comic is fun because it's from Grudge's point of view, and we see her, the first thing she thinks is, I am not a cat, I am a queen. So that's not just book that thinks of her that way. 
like most cats I've encountered in my life, I think Grudge thinks that she is the most important, the highest ranking individual of all that she surveys around her. Oh, absolutely. Because this isn't Book's ship. This is their ship. She talks about it as if it's her ship and her missions and all the things they go on. She's just as important, if not more, than Book is. Absolutely. As she says, Cleveland Booker is her loyal human. So, you know, the the pet owner relationship is maybe not the way that most people would see it. I think Grudge sees it very differently to the way us human beings would see that. Yeah. Does Grudge think that she bought the ship or built the ship or whatever? Like, come on, Grudge. Book brought the ship to you. Not well, the other way around. Of course, because she's a queen, right? You know, she has things bought for her. Everything is done for her. So she wouldn't soil herself by having to go acquire a ship. You know, she had it. Her loyal human brought it for her. So That's I think that true. works. <laughs> it does. It does. And her human brought her a goldfish that she didn't like because when she went to attack the goldfish, It's a hologram, and she does not like holograms. No, I love that because, so first of all, the fact that we get to see this incident that was referred to in another Star Trek Discovery episode where they're talking about how Grudge ate a holographic goldfish. and How is that even possible? (laughs) I love that we get to see that incident here. And I like the idea that Grudge probably would have been okay with this if it had been a real goldfish, but... It's, yeah, because it's a hologram. She hates holograms. Yeah, because she chomps into the goldfish and it just goes away. And she's like, oh, a hologram. (laughs) Absolutely. And she knows it's a hologram right away, too. I love that. You know, she's like, sniff. Mm, Yeah, there's something about this. Yep, it's Mm -hmm. a hologram. I hate it. (laughs) Very suspicious. But the one thing that she does smell is Burnham, and she wishes Burnham was probably a hologram. (laughs) Yeah, so we get to see the first interaction, which was in the season three opening episode, That Hope Is You Part One. But of course, now we see it from Grudge's perspective. So meeting Burnham for the first time and her opinion of this human, which isn't great. She doesn't really like Burnham. But she kind of grows to tolerate her, basically. Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of typical of a lot of cats? You know, like somebody new comes into their owner's life and they kind of feel like maybe there's a bit of a competition there or this is their territory. And, you know, give that person a chance for a while. Maybe, maybe I'll start to warm up to this human. Yeah, and I I have to say I love seeing all of this from Grudge's perspective and her opinions on certain things. Like we get the meetup with Discovery and her exploring the ship and stuff. And my favorite bit is probably when she wanders into Stamets Engineering Lab. First of all, because we get a little bit of Jet Reno. You know, any Jet Reno is always a great thing. But also Stamets is, you know, I'm aware that it's a cat. What's it doing here? And Grudge says, The pale human's tone is entitled and dismissive. I sense that he is extremely protective of his particular room and that he dislikes visitors. He earns my respect. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes because Stamets 
is basically a cat. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I could see it. I could see it. And I love, I just, I don't think we've ever seen Stamets and Grudge interact on the show, but I'd love to see that now and just know that like, oh yeah, he's grumpy and prickly. So Grudge is like, yeah, I like him. He's good people. <laughs> right. <laughs> they they have a certain bond, unlike the bond that she had with Tilly that we saw on Discovery. And there's a brief mention of that too in here. Yeah, for sure. She says, I finally found a comfortable resting nook in the quarters of the flame-haired young human. She professed to dislike me, but in time she will learn the error of her ways. <laughs> I love this. So, you know, I was I was honestly skeptical going into this. The idea of an entire comic issue focusing on Grudge the Cat. And I, I kind of had flashbacks to Porthos the time-traveling beagle from that Enterprise comic, which... You know, I didn't entirely dislike, but kind of had mixed feelings about. But I honestly have to say, I really enjoyed this issue. This was so much fun to read. No, I totally agree. I, it was just, you know, that was the thoughts I had, too. I was like, uh, I don't know, a grudge comic. Okay, whatever. And then I thought about the Porthos comic. And I was like, I mean, that was okay. But Porthos going back in time, that was a little much, you know. But mm -hmm. this, I just like, yeah, it's just the everyday life of grudge. Like trying to get to know grudge inside of her head, you know, from a cat's perspective. And that's all it is, is the cat having this perspective of what's going on around her that we don't have when we're watching the show and watching these characters. So it's, it's entertaining, it's fun, and it's cute, especially for those who are cat lovers or who have cats as pets, you know? Yeah. This definitely works, you know? Yeah, for sure. And even speaking as someone who, like, I don't really consider myself a cat person. I've had cats growing up, but they were mostly farm cats and that kind of thing. I've, I've been generally more of a dog person. I still really enjoyed this because it really does capture the attitude that a cat tends to have, at least what we think a cat thinks of the world. And like the meat of this comic is there's this intruder who comes aboard who looks like Book, but is actually Cosmo's brother. Cosmo was the, the mini villain in the first episode that was trying to steal Book's cargo. And Grudge realizes immediately that it's not Book and is able to get to a control panel to like tie him down to a chair and immobilize him basically. And that's kind of, that's the most Liberty the comic takes with like how smart this cat is and how it's able to do that stuff. But, you know, I've seen videos of cats able to operate iPads and stuff and do rudimentary stuff. So yeah, I kind of buy it. I think she could do this. Oh, well, I need to keep my cats away from my iPad. I didn't even realize that. But yeah, because well, the way the controls are, it's not like she's going over and pushing a series of buttons in certain order. You know, it's that matter stuff. And she's just like putting her paw on it. It just happens. You know, it's just mm -hmm. pretty easy. And he and the guy's already sitting in the chair where it would capture him. So it's not like she has to wrestle him down to the ground or something or or corner him in some cell and then turn on the controls to the cell, you know. But yeah, it's it's very believable uh for this. And and then of course the shock and awe from Burnham and Book <laughs> that that Grudge did this. It's like Grudge stopped you, they said to the guy. It's like and Burnham's like, Queen. <laughs> but I also love that 
Grudge says the surprise in their tone offends. Like, of course I stopped him. What are you? Of, of course I did. Burnham says, you have to let me pet you just one time. <laughs> and the, the like thought bubbles around Grudge, don't. Just one time. Don't. That's not so bad, is it? Worse than I could have possibly imagined. <laughs> As Burnham is petting her, which she does not like, but she tolerates it. She doesn't attack Burnham for it, but she doesn't enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. And then the issue ends with live long and prosper. Mm-hmm. As, <laughs> as Grudge dreams a dream, uh, which is her in the captain's chair of discovery, which, yeah, that befits a queen, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and there's something earlier that you pointed out before we started recording where we get uh, Grudge seeing these little adventures that they were on with, you know, her and Book. And there's these big green furry balls with giant mouths and, you know, sharp teeth. And you were saying you want to see that, right? <laughs> I want to see what that the heck that is. That looks crazy. I love... Uh... Most everything that we see in these flashbacks are something that have been referred to before, but I don't remember any mention of this. So, yeah, I'd love to see these big green hairy balls with teeth. They they look, I don't know, terrifying, but also silly. I don't know. I, I'd be scared out of my mind if they were chasing me, though. They're huge. So I want to say also the writer of this issue is Mike Johnson with art by Angel Hernandez. And we get two covers with this. And I do want to shout out to friend of the podcast, Aaron Harvey, uh, for his variant cover. We're going to talk about a number of these variant covers as we go through. But uh, beautiful artwork by Angel Hernandez throughout the issue. But also the two covers are gorgeous as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's in some, <laughs> some ways it's like, okay, if you had a choice between them, you'd be like, ah, which one do I buy? And you just have to say, oh, I'll buy both, right? <laughs> yeah, this is one where I have a really hard time choosing. They're both gorgeous. Yeah, I like the one, you know, that Aaron Harvey did, not just because you're listening, Aaron, but also because <laughs> I do like, you know, Grudge looking out the window out into the universe, you know, that's such a Grudge thing, like looking out to its next adventure. Yeah, and you're kind of looking over her shoulders, which fits with the theme of the novel, right? You're seeing things through her eyes. So I like that we're seeing her perspective there. That's kind of cool. There you go. Collectors, get out there. Get it. So would you would you recommend this one? Is this a, one a must-pick-up, you think? Oh, you know, that's, that's a tough one. I wouldn't say it's a must-pick-up, but I wouldn't say it's a, oh, avoid this one at all. I mean... I, I would tell someone, yeah, if you are a Discovery Watcher and you want to see an adventure of Grudge and you like Book and Burnham, I would definitely recommend this one. Yeah, I would definitely recommend this. I really enjoyed it. So it's a definite pickup for me. I mean, I wouldn't tell my, my parents to pick this up because they don't read any Star Trek. So. <laughs> And they don't like cats. <laughs> they're probably not listening to this podcast, though. So they're not who I'm talking to. <laughs> you don't think my parents listen to my podcasts? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, uh, you're right. They're not I, listening. You know, honestly, if, if they are listening, though, I honestly think they should pick this up. I think it'd be a lot of fun and might get somebody interested in Star Trek. So there you my go. My mom is actually terrified of cats. So she wouldn't <laughs> read this. It's true. She said when she was a little girl, someone threw a cat at her face. And it just terrified Ooh. her. 
And to this day, she's very uncomfortable around cats. So when she comes to our house, we have two cats. We have to put them away uh, so she can be comfortable. Every once in a while, she'll say, go ahead and let them out. Just don't let them near me. And she's just looking around the room for them at all times. <laughs> oh, man, that's oh, that sounds awful. I'm so sorry. That's, yeah. That's not good at all. No, but we have fun with it. <laughs> so does she. <laughs> Well, on, the, on that unfortunate note, let's uh, move on to uh, the second issue. This one's all about Adira. Uh, Adira Tall, the probably more recent addition to the Discovery crew in season three. They came aboard uh, from the Earth Defense Force and joined up. We find out that they're uh, joined Trill. They're human, but they have a Trill symbiont and... Uh, we get some backstory for Adira, which I thought was really interesting. Again, written by Mike Johnson with art by Angel Hernandez and another two beautiful covers to go with this one as well. Again, I, th- I think I really like both of these covers. Yeah, great covers. Uh, again, friend of the show, Aaron Harvey, did a cover on this. I like, I not only do I like the covers, but I also really like this issue because what you just said, it's like the backstory of Adira. And I really appreciate that because I wasn't going into the series thinking, oh, I want to know about grudge. It was just like we said earlier, like, yeah, do I need to read something about grudge? But I was really, really interested in Adira. It's like, okay, I want to know more about Adira. Yeah, there's a lot of meat to this comic where the previous one can be kind of thought of as a little bit of fluff, a little bit of kind of fun stuff. This one really delves into a lot of the drama that makes up Adira's past. And uh, we get some background into their relationship with Grey. And what I found really interesting about this part is we get to see their relationship before Grey was joined as well. So they're kind of two young people getting up to hijinks and being young people, which I, I thought was fun. That was That was something that really interested me to see a more carefree part of their past. Yeah. Gray works on the replicator and says, you know, cause you can only ration some like one thing a day or something like that. One piece of, you know, food item or something. And gray set it up with a code that they can order multiple food items. Like, Oh, order an apple. Now watch this with this code. I can get another apple. And all of a sudden, just apples, 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 apples are coming out of the replicator. This isn't the first time we've seen food just flying out of a replicator, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And this is yet another thing that the previous comic did that I love that they're doing here. They're taking like one throwaway line in an episode and showing us the incident. Like, I think... It was either Adira or Gray said, remember when we couldn't get the replicator to stop making apples and they laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And we get to see that incident here. And that's kind of fun. Uh, what's not as fun, though, is Admiral Senatal walks in on them and uh, it doesn't seem too pleased. But Gray offers him an apple, you know. <laughs> <laughs> trying to smooth things over. <laughs> yes. Like giving the teacher an apple or an apple day keeps the admiral away. Not necessarily in this case. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that we got to see Admiral tall because we got that brief glimpse of him in the one episode uh, to see him here interacting with them. That was pretty cool. And the reason he's there is to inform gray that he is dying and, 
he needs to pass his symbiont on to Grace. So we kind of see how all that came about. Yeah, and again, this is a backstory, but it's a backstory we're already aware of. So it's not necessarily too surprising. It's not a story we're, we don't know. It's just we're finally seeing it play out. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah, and the particulars of it, because we never knew that Adira and Gray knew each other. Well, we I guess we knew that they knew each other before he was joined, but we didn't see how much of that or, or you right. know, how it came about that gray got the symbiont and stuff. So I appreciated that. Um, we don't spend too much time with joined gray though, before we get to the incident that leads to what we saw when Adira regained their memories and we learned that they, how they got joined. So they're kind of going through this pretty rapidly. I notice. Yeah. And I really love the fact that, we spend some time on how important it is to Adira to be part of the Federation again, that the Federation is a shell of itself and Starfleet is a shell of itself. And, and the dream that they have is to one day be a part of a full Federation and Starfleet again someday. And that dream starts to come true, but at the same time they lose their love in gray you know, mm. but of course we know they get reunited with Gray later, but like the life of Adira is changing and moving in a direction that they only dreamed of, but at the same time losing someone they love. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been a while since I watched Discovery's third season, and I'd kind of forgotten at this point that Adira had lost all of their memories with regards to this. So when that came up, I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot. They couldn't even remember gray. They couldn't remember any of that. And like the trauma of that incident leading Mm -hmm. to that. And then, so, you know, they don't spend too much time showing us that part of the story. They catch us back up to where they are on discovery now, because we've seen that play out. So I, I I do love also that this issue ends kind of the same way the previous issue did with the idea of this is a dream, but in this case, they're not sure if this is a dream, but if it is a dream, I don't want to wake up. Whereas the previous issue, Grudge was just dreaming about being the captain of Discovery. So I kind of love that we're we're playing with this theme of dreams coming true kind of thing. And I just noticed on that last page, on the last panel, Grudge is there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did not notice that the first time. That's funny. Yeah, I didn't either. (laughs) Huh. Interesting. Okay. So tying it together thematically explicitly there as well. I think that's probably what he had in mind because he did write both of these stories, of course. Exactly. And I, I probably noticed Grudge, but it didn't really click with me because... I read these a month apart, you know, <laughs> so, mm. and now looking through these again, now all together, it's like, oh, we just talked about grudge and there's grudge in the next issue. Well, this one from me gets a definite recommend for what it adds to Adira's story. And even though, like you say, it's kind of stuff that we knew, we got told, we got shown little bits of it. I like how it expands on it and kind of shows how Adira got to where they are and and fills in some of those blanks. So for me, it's a definite recommend for fans of Discovery who want to maybe learn more about Adira. Uh, How about you? What do you think? Absolutely. Yep. The same way. If you love Discovery, especially season three, if you love the character of Adira, if you love the character of Grey, 
even if you love grudge for the last panel, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a definite must. I would say, um, again, we, we, we know the story, but this is where we see it play out. Well, I love that these issues are exploring the backstories of lesser known characters, kind of not the main featured characters. And we've got two more coming up exploring Kayla Detmer and Linus the Saurian. But before we do that, let's take a brief break and we'll give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters and we'll be right back with the remaining two issues of Adventures in the 32nd Century. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, Jesse Earl, and Justin Ozer. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you all once again. And now let's get back to the show. Kayla Detmer is a character who's been on Star Trek Discovery since episode one. Uh, one of the few characters, I think besides Michael Burnham and Saru, I think she's the only other character that's been there from day one who's still around on the show. And so I love that we're getting this issue that kind of explores her character and, and her persona a little bit this one's a little different from the other ones though so i'm I'm really curious more than the others to see what your opinion of this one is but uh, uh yeah we'll dive into this so again written by mike johnson art by angel hernandez and two covers again the the standard cover and a retailer incentive cover by aaron harvey and i think the retailer incentive cover by aaron harvey is our first clue that this story might be a little outside the norm. Yeah. I remember seeing this cover. I think he posted it on Facebook and I thought, Oh, that's a little cartoonish. What's this about? And then when I got this issue and got to the first page of the story, I thought, okay, so put everything aside that you expect from Star Trek. This is going to be some little kid adventure thing. And I'm going into this with an open mind, like I would with the waypoint comics, you know, and I was thinking, okay, let's, let's go with this, but it's interesting how this plays out. Yeah, definitely. It does start out. We've got, uh, Kayla Detmer, but like a young Kayla Detmer, who's playing the role of Captain Kayla, the Starfleeter. And I, I'm not sure of the term. I don't know if, is it like the little cute version of anime stuff? Is that like chibi or something like that? I know people are going to roast me for my pronunciation or lack of knowledge of this, but. I don't know. This isn't up my alley. <laughs> yeah, me neither, I'm afraid. But that's kind of how she appears like that. When you get an anime story and you get the cute little small version of characters or something. Yeah. That's kind of how she's looking here. Yeah, no, I can see that. That's exactly it. And that's why going into it, you're expecting it to play out this way. You know, it's just, you know, this is very cartoonish. 
It's a little miniature Kayla Detmer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dealing with giant penguins. <laughs> yeah, and she's, yeah, exploring this planet, this ice planet, giant penguins, like you said. And she starts, you know, theorizing about predators and prey. And there must be a predator species. We have the orcas on Earth that go after penguins. I wonder. And then this orca busts through the the ice. But it's not an orca like we're used to. It has arms and legs and chases her across the, the landscape. And it's all very cute and weird (laughs) yeah because even the orca with legs chasing her is really friendly more like a dog and she realizes oh you just want to play and it's like rolf and she's like sit good xeno orca (laughs) (laughs) and she calls it lulu yeah as as you would absolutely (laughs) well uh, lulu and captain kayla the starfleeter find something in the snow and and they dig around and it's the adult version of Kayla Detmer as we know her from Star Trek Discovery. They interact with each other and eventually come to realize that each one is the other. And this is kind of a crazy dream that Kayla is having. And we find out that something has gone wrong with her implants and she's undergoing surgery to have them replaced or upgraded right now. And, and, A lot of this has to do with her fears of losing herself. It all gets really metaphorical, which, uh, you know, it it took me a second read to really get on board with this story. I'm going to be honest, because the first time reading it through, I was like four pages in going like, okay, what is this? What am I reading? (laughs) And then once you have this bit of information at the end, I was kind of more into it, if that makes sense. Now, I could see that. That's why, again, when I started, I thought, okay, I need to keep an open mind that this mm-hmm. isn't what I'm expecting, you know, like from a typical Star Trek comic. And so when the real Detmer shows up, I was like, okay, now that started to throw me off a little because I bought into this, oh, this is a cute <laughs> little, like, kind of like kids adventure thing. But wait, the real Detmer is here. Okay, now it's got... What, what, why? Like, how is she in this cartoonish environment, you know? So I, I found it interesting. One thing that, you know, we've seen a lot from Detmer with kind of side stories and stuff, but we've never really had an exploration of the implant or what it does or that sort of thing. And she's talked about undergoing the surgery and having a disability and that sort of thing. But I I really like that it kind of gets into it here that what it is, is something that's fairly serious, right? Like she's worried about losing herself or not knowing who she is. So, so even though it doesn't get into specifics, we know that it's some fairly invasive surgery that has resulted in this implant, which, you know, again, not specifics, we don't really know, but we know that it's something fairly devastating if it goes wrong. Yeah, she's scared. She's scared something could be wrong. She's scared that she'll never really be herself again. So she latches on to her childhood fantasy. She had created this character of herself and this little enterprise she would fly around in and all these creatures. She created all that in her childhood and she's regressing to her childhood to find comfort to get through a difficult time. So she's dreaming about this stuff. And I I think that's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. the payoff at the end of the comic. Yeah. And I also love 
the perspective of the child version of her as well, because like all of this is really heavy. Like Detmer pulls her aside and says, you know, I need to tell you something serious is going to happen in the future. You're going to get hurt. And, you know, I've been scared about this. And she kind of comes back with the young version of her comes back with. So it's a real adventure. And she's kind of like, yeah, it is. So I, I like that she gets that kid's perspective that like, yeah, some serious stuff, but she sees her like previous self, how she would look at it as a new adventure and, and something which, you know, doesn't, I think, take away from the importance of it or the seriousness of it, but kind of helps her cope with it on a different level than she would have otherwise. That's it. Yeah, it's her coping mechanism and it's reminding her of the wide-eyed adventurer she used to be and and not losing that and this is just what she's going through another adventure yeah and part of what we were alluding to on aaron harvey's retailer incentive cover was this cute little kind of toy flying enterprise that the two of them are flying around on and we get to see that in here captain kayla's personal starship enterprise and i love that like both of them get in it together and fly around. That was kind of the the cutest thing. It reminded me of like Calvin and Hobbes in their wagon in the Calvin yes. and Hobbes comics or something like that. Yes. I want to see somebody recreate this at a Star Trek convention and ride around in it. <laughs> Absolutely. And the cool part is too, at the end, it's transformed from the personal Starship Enterprise into the personal Starship Discovery. So I thought that was kind of a neat little touch. You know what? I didn't even pick up on that. I really didn't. <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's right there, but I, it just didn't hit me when I looked at it. Yeah, I love that. I just think that's, that's beautiful. So final thoughts on this issue. What, what, what did you ultimately think of this when all was said and done? I think I liked it more than I thought, you know, as it started off, I was like, okay, it's going to be cute. And you know, it was it was fine. But then to see Detmer show up on it was a little weird. Now I'm like, okay, what's happening? And then to find the reason why for the reasons we discussed, it's in a lot of ways it's a very serious issue in a sense for mm -hmm. Detmer. And uh, but you're looking at it in a fun way and it is showing the great adventure that Detmer is on. Yeah. And I, th I think it's very effective in the way it does that where it kind of draws you in with the cuteness and the kiddiness of it. And you think it's one thing. And then, you know, record scratch moment, you realize it is very serious and kind of dealing with some dark stuff. So I, I like that, especially upon my second reading, the way it pulled me in. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely give this one a thumbs up recommend. Uh, I, th I think it's, a character who has been there from the beginning that I've always wanted to learn more about. She's very compelling. There's something very compelling about that character of Kayla Detmer. And I love that we get just a little peek into her psyche with this. I don't know why, but did I mention this one time that wouldn't it be cool to take all four of these characters and put them in an issue together? I think maybe when this was like in the news that these were coming out, I think I said something like, wouldn't it be great if they took all four characters and put them in an adventure together? And I'm like remembering something like that because it's to your point that 
you know, these are characters we don't always get a lot of information on. And it'd be great if there was a comic that takes the lesser known characters and puts them together on a mission and we get to find out more about them. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. I think I remember you saying that. And yeah, they should have done an issue five where all five of the or all four of these characters come together and, and use something they learned from their issue to solve some problem or something. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe a little bit too silly, but I, I think it would be fun. I would love to see it. Yeah, I don't know. What did Grudge learn? I don't know. I guess Michael Burnham ain't all that bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Grudge learned that she is still the ultimate queen. There you go. She's got to call the shots. That'll save the day. Absolutely. Yes. That issue, that issue five would have to end with Grudge actually in the captain's chair of Discovery, not in a dream. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> She's in command. Well, before we get to that imaginary issue number five that should be, uh, we've got issue four to talk about, and that is all about Linus, who maybe with the exception of Grudge, I think is the least examined character in any of these issues. Obviously, Kayla and Adira have a lot more screen time. Linus has just kind of been there. We've seen him sneezing on people. We've seen him getting lost with his new com badge, can't quite beam to the right place, but he hasn't had any like really meaty story stuff to do. So I was really interested in this one when I found out Linus would be one of the featured characters. Very excited that he gets his own issue here. Absolutely. Yeah, because again, you know, we, yeah, we don't know a whole lot about him. And I keep hoping to see more about him in Discovery. And we're really not getting that much, except for him and Giorgio kind of right? had maybe something going on. <laughs> yeah, like I still want to pay off for that. Like, but Giorgio's gone now. So uh, anyway, I, I, I really enjoy Linus. I think he's cool. Again, a very little used background alien that was introduced in the motion picture. He's a Saurian. Uh, the covers for this one, I have to say, I like the main cover mostly because it's got that gorgeous shot of Discovery below Linus there. But the Retailer Incentive cover by Aaron Harvey, I think this is my favorite of the ones that he did. I just, there's something about Linus looking up at this T-Rex skeleton in the, in the Museum of Natural History here. I just, I love this image. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, because this really does speak to what we learn about his character and his species. And, but this scene is not in the comic, right? Mm -hmm. But this is something he would have done on Earth is visit yeah. the museum. See, if you look at his badge, he's a cadet, right? So that would have been while he was at Starfleet Academy, he went and visited that museum. I love the imagination behind that. Just like, oh, he would have gone and seen this dinosaur. And even the little details, like the only T-Rex found on the American West Coast, the little computer readout there. Uh, very cool. Kudos, Aaron, for that cover, especially. I think that's lovely. Because also we learn from this comic that his planet that he's from was like, you know, a bunch of dinosaurs. And then a comet comes by, but doesn't land on the planet like it did on Earth. And, you know, the asteroid destroys what is on Earth. And, so, and he wonders, gee, if that hadn't landed on Earth, would earthlings be like my people you know he's look and so to be in that museum he's looking at something which could be an ancestor if he was from earth or mm -hmm. you know the people of earth would be the ancestors of this dinosaur 
Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I thought of when I was reading this and finding about his history and how it paralleled Earth, but all of that, I was like, he now lives in the 32nd century. I wonder if he knows about the Voth, the aliens, not aliens, they're from Earth, the ones that evolved from hadrosaurs and, and left Earth millions of years ago and went to the Delta Quadrant. He needs to meet up with them and, and say, hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's another comic. That's issue number six. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we also learn that Saurians have four hearts. And when they're born or when they're hatched, excuse me, they're, they all beat out of rhythm with each other. And they eventually, as they get older, get in sync with each other until eventually all four beat together in rhythm. And that those synchronicities tend to happen sometimes at like important life events of Saurians. I thought that was really interesting. I, I don't think that's anything we've ever heard before outside of this comic. So that's some, some interesting species and world building for Saurians there. It is. I have to say something um, personal about this. This comic came out just shortly after I had been to the doctor and she said that she noticed my heart was beating like an extra beat occasionally and was kind of doing some weird things that we need to kind of keep an eye on. And I was like, okay, that's freaking me out. It's easy to freak me out at the doctor's office, just so you know. And so I'm reading this comic and he's talking about his heart's out of sync and I'm like, yeah. And through the whole comic, I've been skittish. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe it would give you a superpower that would let you remain conscious where everyone else went unconscious because of the weird thing that happens in this issue. I don't know. Exactly. Because I thought about that. I was like, I, it would just be me and Linus that are the only ones who stayed conscious because <laughs> I don't have just this regular rhythm going. Hmm. So yeah, that that's what happens. Linus beams down to investigate this planet with a, an away team and the entire away team gets incapacitated except for Linus. And he eventually works out that it's because his hearts aren't beating in rhythm. Three of his hearts do, but the fourth one isn't synced up yet. And it's something he's always been kind of worried about because it's supposed to have happened by now. He's older than when that usually all syncs up. And this phenomenon happens to the entire rest of the crew, and it's up to Linus to figure it out. And he basically gives everyone an arrhythmia, which wakes them up. So the whole, like, what exactly happened and how they came out of it, that was kind of glossed over a little bit. Like, I didn't really, they're like, okay, Linus fixed it. Cool. But what caused that? Why did that happen? We never really get that answer, do we? Unless I really missed something. No, I mean, they just, you know, something happened and he was able to figure out fixing it by, you know, knowing that his hearts are in a different rhythm. If he changes or stops the rhythm of the human's hearts, they'll come back or whatever. This thing won't be affecting them anymore, but we don't know what that thing is or why it's doing what it's like. Yeah. We don't really find the why to that. Well, the one thing that comes out of it is of course, as, as we probably all guessed when we started this issue and he said, you know, my four hearts, my fourth heart doesn't quite beat in rhythm yet. And it happens when something momentous happens and why hasn't it happened for me yet? By the end of this, because of 
you know, him taking command and saving the crew. This is an important life event for him. And he gets a special commendation and all of a sudden, oh, his fourth heart starts beating in rhythm with the other three. And at long last, my heart's beat as one. And, and he's very happy. He's found his family. <laughs> it still makes me uncomfortable. That feeling. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, I'm also thinking about like, he feels the heart like come into sync with the others. Like, Oh, it's like, what does that feel like? That would freak me out. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Linus issue as a whole? I like that we focus on Linus and we learn more about the Saurians and the background on that and his planet and how he relates that to earth. But he, moved to Earth when he was young and he grew up on Earth. So we find some backstory on Linus that I really liked. The the thing at the end, uh oh and the four hearts, I I you know, even though it made me feel uncomfortable, <laughs> I still <laughs> like learning that about him. It was kind of a unique way to resolve the situation, but like we said, we don't really know the reasons why that occurred or what caused it or so I mean that that part was okay, but I, I just enjoyed getting to know more about his background than anything. Yeah, I enjoyed that aspect of it as well. The The scientific mystery thing kind of bugged me just that like they didn't really explore it more, but I understand it's a shorter issue. They can't really get to everything, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Again, like you said, for the stuff we learn about Linus and Saurians and that sort of thing. So I'd say it's probably in retrospect my least favorite of the four but still a pretty good issue that is definitely interesting. So Bruce, which was your favorite of these four, do you think? Which one did you enjoy the most or felt was the best one to read? I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) Uh, My answer was, and I think still is, the issue about Adira. Because I really wanted to see that story play out. But as we're going through these, the Detmer one is a close second. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I absolutely agree with you on the Adira one. I think early on reading these for the first time, yeah, Adira, the Adira story really popped for me. I really enjoyed it. And the Kayla one, I feel like when I was first reading it, I was already in my mind thinking it would be my least favorite. I was thinking it would kind of like, eh, you know, hmm, kind of go to the back. But again, with that revelation at the end and then going back and reading it again, I really enjoy that one. And that one's a close second for me as well. So yeah, we're very much in alignment on that. The grudge one is right up there too, though, just for sheer enjoyment. Like I really enjoyed the grudge one as well. So like all four of these are very good. I think those two are my favorite with Adira edging out for the top spot for sure. Yeah, I think... I was trying to think what would I put it in my third and fourth. And I was thinking grudge maybe as my third and only because, and I think one main reason is because it surprised me that I liked it as much as I did, you know, where Mm -hmm. the Linus one, I thought I would enjoy it a little more than I did. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. For me too. I think the, the Kayla Detmer one challenged my expectations and came out higher than when I started. And then the Linus one, I was expecting to really enjoy it. And it kind of came in a little lower than what I thought by the end. But again, still very good. Like I really recommend all four of these. Yeah. 
I, I agree. Yes, I would definitely recommend all these. I'm sure they'll all be put into one graphic novel that uh, you can pick up someday if you didn't get these individually. And I would say if you like Star Trek Discovery, then this is a definite buy. Absolutely. Well, with that said, we've we've gone through all four of these issues. We've had our adventures in the 32nd century. Bruce, where can people find you online to follow your adventures in the 21st century? I am on Twitter. Yes, I am. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline and then Rex. And you can also find me on Instagram at just Admiral Rex. And you can find me going to Star Trek conventions. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter as well at Kurtrats and on YouTube, youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions and on Instagram, Kurtrats 47 and in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Positively Trek. We will let you into that group if you agree to the group rules. You can also find Positively Trek on Twitter and Instagram, both of those at Positively Trek. Email us positivelytrek at gmail.com. Visit us on our Goodreads group where we have the books in the upcoming book club episodes as well as discussions about all the books we've discussed here on the show. And thank you once again to our Patreon supporters for everything you do to help us bring these episodes to you each and every week. We really do appreciate everything you do for us. To everyone else, thank you so much for listening. That is the best thing you can do for us by far. So... All that's left is for me to say, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.